When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast. Do me a favor, subscribe to the John Con Report. Wherever you get your podcast, you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button, hit that subscribe button. You can find us there as part of Empire Media. That's A-M-P-I-R-E. Always much appreciated when you tune in and don't forget you can always read my work on espn.com joining me in a few minutes is sam Fortier from the washington post we're going to get into a lot of on-field stuff sam Howe's progress Are, is this team better or worse than we thought than sam thought entering training camp all that good stuff defensive talk not just offense questions about the line what about comments about sam Howell? everything so stay tuned for that but before I get there, I wanted to just give you a little bit of a, a up-to-date um, news on several players. So let's start with Jamin Davis, because today it's Thursday. He had his a, a court hearing today, and what they determine is his, he's going to have a jury uh, trial on March 4th of 2024. So there was a concern, would the judge accept a plea deal or not now? Um the Davis's attorney said that the prosecuting attorney came to them with a, a new deal about an hour before the hearing. And so they, they pushed for the jury trial instead. So anyways, what it means is no jail time during the season and it gets pushed off to 2024 and it wouldn't be shocking if they work something out um, beforehand, just in, but after this for something after the season now, Chase Young. So, Basically, what we know is the status for week one is uncertain. And you probably could figure that given that he had the stinger and he hasn't taken any contact yet, which certainly means he hasn't been clear for contact. Now, this week, the practices were mostly where there were no pads. So you really didn't know about that. But again, you know, he hasn't done anything contact wise since that first preseason game. So naturally, he hasn't been cleared. And Ron Rivera did say like he's progressing. They feel like he is progressing well. Whatever that means, we'll find out. And then he's going to be examined again. So we don't, we won't know, have any sort of status report on him until Wednesday when it's the first time teams have to release an actual injury report. So, and I did talk to some people close to, to Young. They, they say it's not as bad as what people think. We'll see. I don't know exactly what that means either. That's the problem with all this. What I do know is that he's uncertain for the season opener against Arizona, and we go from there. The other thing we know is that he wasn't placed on short-term IR, so that's at least a positive sign for it to see, you know, because if you if they felt it was going to be something that was going to linger for an extended time, then you would have placed him, you would think they would place him on short-term IR and, and just let him rest up with it. They did not do that. F.A. Obata went on to IR. He's got an issue with his patella. 
and I don't know exactly what the issue is, but he has it. And so, but it's definitely, definitely they plan on a short-term stay for Obata. The problem is that he's your top reserve defensive end. He can also rush inside. So without him now, this is why you keep all those defensive ends as James Smith Williams, Casey Toohill. Maybe we're going to see some Andre Jones. I don't know what the plan is for them just yet, but it would be, you know, but they do have some depth there and that's, they do have some veteran depth there with Smith Williams and Toohill. And, and so they, they are covered in Chase Young's at, if Chase Young does not play, they will be okay. And you can't stop Arizona's offense without Chase Young. You got some problems. So, and I think they should be okay there. Now, Terry McLaurin, no update. What I do know is that he's still been seen in a walking boot as of yesterday or as of Wednesday. Initially, I was told he'd be out of it on Tuesday. It's just, that's a precautionary thing because they, the number one thing for that injury is rest. And so they're trying to have him stay off it as much as possible, but we won't have a status update again until next Wednesday. Just keep it like, you know, there was optimism. I think there still is optimism. There's also uncertainty. They're both, the both things are true. Like you can be optimistic that he might play optimistic does not mean hundred percent. So um, like Kendall Fuller told me he's playing. Logan Thomas, he's in good shape. He said that he has no restrictions. He feels really good. He's been out there. So I think those guys are in really good shape. The only two that I'm wondering about right now would be McLaurin and Chase Young. Finally, on the team name, and I always hesitate to dip my toes into this water because it's not it's not going back to the old name. Now, Jason Wright came out on J.P. Finley's show earlier this week and said they're, that's going back to the name Redskins is not under consideration. And it never has been. And that's why I haven't discussed it a lot because it's never been realistic. And even with all the petitions, I think people understand that fans liked the name and that they would want it back. I don't, so that's the, the big problem is not do the fans want it. It's will the sponsors put up with it? The sponsors knew the fans liked it before and they pulled out. And I don't know that, I don't think the league would support it at this point either. So anyways, it's not my call. Don't shoot the messenger. And, and you can rip on Jason Wright all you want about like, well, who cares what he says? Well, he's he's the team president and folks, he's getting it from somewhere. Trust me, that's he's not going out there without full knowledge. The, the owner has full knowledge of what Jason Wright is saying. And so there you go. You can replace Jason Wright as president. The next one will say the same thing. It's not going back. And again, you know, it's don't shoot the messenger. I'm just telling you the way it is. Now, could it change in the future? Perhaps. That's a different discussion, but it's not going back. And Jason Wright said it, and it's what I've consistently heard from people in the Harris group all along. Anyway, that's it for me. So here's my conversation with the Washington Post, Sam Fortier. College football fans, are you ready for week one? DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking you up with a can't-miss offer to start the season strong. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on college football and score $200 in bonus bets instantly. Anything can happen in college football. Your team could go from unranked to dynasty mode in just a couple of years. Change comes fast. The only thing that's a lock is the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. Life's more fun when you're in on the action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code KIME, K-E-I-M. New customers can score $200 in bonus bets instantly when they bet just $5 on college football. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KIME. The crown is yours. 
Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. See dkng.com slash football for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. So I'm here with Sam Forday from the Washington Post. And Sam is disappointed because he didn't get to do my opening like he likes to do. But I had to do it earlier because we're talking about, we're talking before the Jamin Davis situation is may or may be resolved. And if it is, you'll hear about it before you even get to this point. Anyways, so Sam, I want to start with just, let's take a look at the roster in general and just what we've seen this summer. Do you feel better or worse about where this team is at going into the season? First off, I think that we should start with hello and welcome to this segment of my podcast. Um, I would say that overall, I feel better about the roster but that's really driven by one thing, which is that Sam Howell looked better in the preseason than I expected. I thought he would have a few more growing pains. Obviously, he had a couple sacks that were his fault. Those are are things you expect to get cleaned up. But when you talk about his mobility, his ability to expend plays, the arm strength, kind of the the way that they're able to use those playmakers, even though it was the preseason, he wasn't facing the team's top defenders. They weren't scheming against him. I just thought he looked a little bit more in control and and. When you're talking about a team's fortunes during the season, obviously it's so heavily tied to the quarterback. Um, there are still questions that I have about him. I, you know, I really wonder, is he going to be able to execute from under center? We didn't see him do that a ton, and that's something he didn't do a lot in, in college either. Um, but right now, I would say that I feel better about Sam Howell, and therefore I feel better about the uh, the roster. You and I know you've talked and written about RPOs and all that. How significant do you think that will be to the potential success for Howell and the offense? It instrumental. It is massive. Like if you go back and look at the air raid offense that Phil Longo called for Howell at North Carolina, almost entirely shotgun based. So many RPOs, so much quick game. Um, and and you know I, I was talking. I talked to Howell and I talked to Fromm about quick game, and and that's just really going to help him mentally pre snap. It's the sort of thing where you get to the line, you pick a side of the field. Hey, do I like the leverage here better? Do I like you know this matchup better? Um, do I have more space over here? You pick a side, you pick a matchup, and then you say, okay, I'm going to throw it to a spot. And, and, and you get it out of the ball, ball out of your hands really quickly. That is going to, I think, accentuate the strengths of this offense, which is the receivers. And it's going to minimize the weaknesses, which obviously is the offensive line. So to me, quick game is not only instrumental for what they've built, but also how their co- quarterback can be comfortable. And I and I think you brought up the point too. This is one of the things when you talk about the offensive line, you have to, we there's always a, have to wait and see how does the scheme impact it and the quick game and the RPOs, the RPOs designed to create hesitation by the defensive line, cause confusion. And, you know, the quick game designed to get the ball to your hands. And that's by definition, it's quick. So, you know, that's the part that we, and we we've seen, a lot of it, but we don't know how it's going to look in the season and how the impact on the line. And one thing that Fromm told me is like quick game will not always look like quick game. You know, and, and I think that what he means is there are certain, you know, if there's a press coverage and a certain look, like the route, the, the route would convert to a deep route because they like certain matchups, they like certain coverages. So like quick game is is going to be a foundation. But even if you see them take a deep shot, even if you see them do a true drop back, their goal, I think, I think Eric Benemy's goal is 
hey, let's do quick game. Let's do RPO to get these guys frustrated, to get them off their pass rushing lanes, get them out of a rhythm, basically do the exact opposite of what happened when the Eagles were teeing off on Carson Wentz and, and had those eight sacks last year. Like, don't let them get in a rhythm. So I think that uh, that is it, – it's going to be more important than just like – stats in the stat sheet you know what i mean i think it's going to be a real basis of their scheme and it's funny because i also think i've seen and this is a good sign too they love that third and four mesh last year it's like third and four mesh like third down and four i wonder if terry's going to do a crosser and the tight end coming across what so it's amazing man it is but this this preseason what i saw is a you know okay this time terry's they're gonna look like a, a mesh and then he's cutting up through the linebackers in the middle and so they did it a few times to throw a, a curveball off of that but um, the funny thing is, too, with like Mahomes in Kansas City, they use that quick game a lot, too. And it's, you know, it's not just that they're sitting there firing away, like get the ball to your hands, take the profits. Right. And like even Peyton Manning excelled at that and get the get the defense to start climbing up a little bit. Now you take your shot. That's the theory. Right. And I think that one thing that's really interesting to me is the. Like if you look at Patrick Mahomes' targets last year, I don't know the exact number, but like a, a huge share of them were at or behind the line of scrimmage. Yeah. And I think that's in response to a lot of defenses doing the Vic Fangio thing, playing two high safety shells and saying, hey, we're going to force you to sustain drives, beat us under the, you know, beat us um, short and intermediate throws. I don't think that Washington, at least Sam Howell, will come in with as much credibility as Mahomes for defense, obviously. So I'm curious, like, is he going to see as much too high coverage? Obviously, that's a big thing in the league right now. But like, is he going to have to make those checkdowns or are there going to be more opportunities to throw it deep because people aren't respecting him as much right away? But the receivers, that's who you're going to worry about. But but that's so. So if you're throwing short and intermediate timing routes, you are betting on yards after the catch. You are betting on their explosion. And and it makes a lot of sense, right? Because they're more proven. You know, we know, like we have a much higher degree of confidence for what Terry and Curtis and Jahan can do than what Sam can do. Right. Um, and I think that really, like in the Cleveland game, you saw that where um, I think it was after a, a nice run by B-Rob, but like uh, Sam hit Curtis like for a five yard like quick route and then Curtis created five yards after the catch yep. he slipped through a couple right tacklers middle. right up the middle and so to me like that's the perfect play of like that's not flashy yep. people aren't going to remember that play but that is what's going to drive this offense a thousand percent agree and I love that you brought it up because it was because he did it was the five yards after the catch that absolutely mattered and it's how you sustain drives and it's how you know because like this is going to be again patient patient strike and but they also the other thing because since he's since Bienemy was hired for Rivera has been getting guys the ball in space, getting the Mets like that's the number one thing they've talked about because you have guys like Jahan and and Terry. Terry can hurt you long, he can hurt you short. Diami can hurt you deep. Curtis after the catch, Gibson after the catch. So that's been the big thing is getting the guys ball the ball in space. Do you have confidence that we're going to see that? Yeah, I think they will absolutely target that. You know, some of those shorter routes, some of those in-breaking routes, like the quicker stuff. Like Sam has the arm strength to get to get it on the outside. Like if you need to throw an out, the thing that that's interesting to me is if they do that, if they really hit that uh, and and really accentuate it, make it part of their offense. If defenses respond and they start playing single high and they start trying to take away that space under the middle, uh, underneath, I should say can Sam then beat them deep? And I think there are reasons to believe that he can like that cover two whole shot to, to Terry um, in the Dallas game. Like that's an unbelievable throw, but can he do that consistently? Can he do it? Um, you know, if, if defenses are, are trying to force him into those throws. So 
it's it's like I'm really fascinated um, by that part of it. And I would say also one of the thing like kind of a tangent that I've been thinking of is like I love analytics. I love looking at the data, meshing it with the film. Data considers quick game anything that's 2.5 seconds or faster. But I was talking to Sam about this and he was like, that actually seems like way too long. It does. Feel <laughs> like, I think that a lot of times you're going to be seeing throws in under two seconds or 2.25 seconds. Like, because when you're talking about designed quick game or some of those RPOs and the RPOs, you have to get it out because your linemen are going to be too far downfield if you don't do it faster. But like, these are, these are things that are going to be really, really fast that he's going to have to get the ball out. Um, and so I think that that's like a note that I would put out for people. And and you go back and look at the Dallas game as an example with Jahan, a couple of times where it's like that ball's out. Now you give him a chance to split the seam and get 20 yards after the catch. That's a big deal. And, and you, you know, you saw like, and even this is where a lot of the footwork comes into play too, even on the RPOs and you watch like, how does he handle the RPO handoffs? Cause there was a play is that I've talked about this before, but the first play the first run in the Browns game where Robinson gets stuffed in the backfield, Sam's got to take a step or two back on his footwork to create a better path for him, but also to sell the linebacker on what might happen. So those are little things, but I think he got better with that throughout the summer. So I feel pretty confident in what I think he can do. I just don't know, like, when does he become, is he going to be a good quarterback, but when, right? I mean, that's, that's kind of, it's, it's funny how like, this is the best quarterback play since Alex Smith in 2018, possibly going into the year from camp. I mean, you've been here, this is what your fourth. fourth so is this would, this is follow suit. Do you think this is? Yeah. You know, but like, I think that I, I, I go back and I think about like, I think when we talked about this in the podcast last year, like. I thought it was the best roster that they had had. And I know that, you know, I'm not saying Carson Wentz that we, we believed in him, but like the, but in, uh, to not to interrupt you. Yeah, well, I did interrupt well, you. you always I do, did, so it's but, fine. but to the roster, like they were eight, eight and one with what quarterback play, which wasn't outstanding. Right. I just, I think that like, maybe it's more when we talk about like, um, how many wins do you think we'll have? Like, I'm always wary of being trapped in the myopic hype machine that is training camp and being like, oh, he's going to be really good. And then you find out like a defensive coordinator game plans for him one time and, you know, he, he can't beat it. Exactly. Like if we talk about, hey, oh, Dallas was, you know, they they were in their certain headspace last week, you know, in the last game last year. So I'm always wary of buying too much into that. But I mean, yeah, man, like I'm, re- I'm ready to get hurt again. But, but it's, I think, the thing that I like with him are traits and it's what they, totally. what they, what they talk about, which is, you know, the, his demeanor, how he handles things, his work, how he studies, he's got a good arm. We know that. And he's so he, and so I think all those are what we've seen as well. And that's the behind the scenes of it. And how much is that going to matter right now? I don't know. I think long-term it bodes well for him. Totally. But then like, I think that, okay, so I'm with you. Right. But I'm, I'm going to like, try to think of of reasons why this wouldn't be true and like to me the baltimore game yes they looked great in the baltimore game right but they also put themselves in so many difficult positions like that sack put them in third and long and then they overcame it and like they did that you know uh they had the two minute drive which you know had some plays where you know they could have hurt themselves with penalties and and drops and things like that and it and you know i think sam wasn't super crisp but he was able to overcome adversity and is that a trait or was that a really small sample size in a preseason game i don't think we know that yet we, well we absolutely don't know it and here's the other thing too and my analogy is like you go to the driving range and you hit 10 balls right and seven of them are pretty good it's those other freaking three are the ones that i hit in the golf course it's a lock so you don't know like you can be on the driving saying oh yeah this is i'm i'm in a groove i'm gonna do this and you go out there and you shank one it's like god i only did that once but that's the one that gets out so you know i'm not saying he's gonna shank him he's a good golfer by the way but 
you don't know what what's going to carry through to the games because what like if we see a bad play in practice, we see five good. What is the impact of that one bad play, that one bad throw, and the spot it puts you in? And then the, how does it? Can you respond? I think one of the things I've liked about what we saw what we saw in the preseason was there were a couple of times they were in bad spots and they overcame. That's a good sign. But you know you're right. We don't know, and that's why I say. I think he'll be good. I just don't know when. And is it going to be with, you know, is he going to get the time, you know? So I, that's the hard part. I, I think he has a really long leash. If, yeah. if the question is, is he going to get the time? Because to me, you know, I, we've talked about this before, like uh, Josh Harris, you know, selling him on a vision for what this team is and, and why Ron Rivera should, should remain the head coach. Like it's, it's not Jacoby Brissett. It's, it's, it's all on <laughs> how you're right. I mean, if this, if how works, it's, it's a, it's Rivera can say, listen, this this was the guy that I wanted in there. This is the guy, you know, they're, they're nine and eight or whatever it is. And it like, still might not matter, but like that matter. is that's the that's right. his that's the ticket. It is the ticket. So going back to and I know like there was some a little bit of a kerfuffle. I don't know if that's the right word. <laughs> that's such a that's such like an old person <laughs> word. <laughs> no, it is. Well, I mean, you know, I I want to speak your language. So <laughs> it is an older word. I grant that. I was sitting in my Davenport last night and I thought of that word. Do you even know what a Davenport is? I, I my no grandma used to call is. it my grandma used to call a couch a Davenport. Now she's and she's is, she, it, is it a brand of couch? No, I think it was just a couch. We always laughed about it, but like she 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 died 20 some years ago and she was 86. So we're going way back, man. Yeah. So we've taken a bad detour here. But anyways, so Ron with with his comments about about how to Albert Breer. And I know, like, I don't think, I don't, I mean, we've heard those before, but it became a bigger thing. And then Pat McAfee amplified some thoughts on it. What did you make of him saying he didn't know exactly what he had? And now my two cents is I know that he want they wanted to see him against Houston or someone like that. Get a feel, like, put, get, try to get him in a game. It never arose. Do you think it would have mattered? And, and is, how much should be made of what his comments were? Any, I mean, look, anytime a coach says, I didn't know how good he was, like that's a concern, right? But at the same time, I think it is a little bit more reasonable. Well, there's two parts to this is the message I think was like generally kind of reasonable because like, yeah, you don't know who the guy is. And if you're pushing for a playoff spot, you can't play him. And, you know, I think that's one of the reasons why like when the offense couldn't, you know, really blow it out against Houston, that's one of the problems is like you couldn't, you, you couldn't see him. The other part is I think that, and we've talked about this, either Ron's over communication or, or unclear communication yeah. often gets him in hot, you know, hot water, like quite quarterback last year, or, you know, we could be eliminated or, yeah. or be enemy. Like there are just so many instances of him doing this. So I think that like, at, at some point you have to say, Hey, it's, it's not the message itself, which to me is, is a little odd, but mostly fine and you have to say like hey like this is on you to stop creating these distractions that, that you've you know bemoaned for the last three years so i think that it's not a, a damnable sentiment but the fact that you're continuing to express it and, and put yourself in these situations is is you know concerning and probably not befitting of the head coach and i also i also i think sometimes too because you try to like get inside someone's head and what, what are they trying i think part of it is that they really like what they see in him and they kind of wish they had known he may have been. Right. And again, like they weren't going to put him in, in October, you know what I mean? Like he wasn't at that point and Heineke was playing well enough and they were winning. And it wasn't until those last couple of weeks, but I don't want to go back and, but, but yeah. But can I, can I make one clarification? Yeah, Cause I thought, I thought McAfee like, you know, was, was fine. The one thing that, that I want to clear up is like, Taylor did not tell them to start Sam out of like some, right. <laughs> some good Samaritan, right. like no. take a look at this young guy. It's like, you went back to Carson the week before I'm about to hit free agency for the first time right. when I could get paid. 
And I'm not, I don't want to, I don't want to risk all that. And That's I, absolutely. Exactly. I don't want to look bad. I don't want to yeah. get hurt. Like, like it's just, it, it's silly to me that like, it, it wasn't Rudy. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That's like kind of how it came off. And it's just, it's a weird, that's a weird thing. Like I will say there's two parts to that whole thing. He did say, I think this kid can be really good. Right. Yes. But there was like, he's like, you, you can't put me back out there after you benched me for, for this. And I'm going into free agency and I want to get to there healthy. That's also part of the whole situation. If we really, if we really want to get in depth on this, Ron only saw Sam. I think likely only really saw Sam in the Dallas game last year because he chose Carson, and Carson botched the Cleveland game so badly. Like I, I think it's arguable that he he did allow himself oh, to yeah. see Sam. And, and that, <laughs> so for all those of you like that, that was the the grand plan. So, and, uh, yeah. but yeah, that's but yeah, that's that's a good point. There is still time for one more family adventure this summer. The country's largest climbing and zipline park is open seven days a week until Labor Day. With eight different levels, 16 courses, 250 climbing obstacles, and over 4,000 feet of zip lines, the Adventure Park at Sandy Spring, located in Montgomery County, Maryland, is the perfect place to spend the last few days of summer. Once you're back on the ground, head over to Axe Throwing and try one of their brand new games. You can play Battleship, Blackjack, throw at traditional targets, or even upload your own images. They are now accepting group and family reservations for this fall. Can't make it out before school is back in session? Not to worry. The Adventure Park is open Friday through Sunday every weekend this fall. To end the summer right, listeners of this show can now get $10 off any ticket by entering the promo code Kime 23 DC at checkout. That's Kime K E I M 23 DC at checkout. There's still time to get outside and join the adventure at theadventurepark.com. What is going into the season? Biggest concern? Is I mean is it the line or is it... I mean, it's the offense just because while there are promising signs, Sam being one of them, Eric Bieniemy being another, the offensive line is obviously a concern, but like we just don't know how there, there's just so much uncertainty. Like basically to me, the offense last year had three big question marks, offensive coordinator, quarterback, offensive line. And they didn't replace any of those with like a sure thing. Right. Like, even though you feel good about Eric Bieniemy, yeah. and even though you're like, Oh, like, I think he, you know, the details he's got it. Like, is he going to have a play color sense of rhythm? Is he going to be able to pick the right play at the right time? Like, Again, we just don't know. We don't know. And, I, we can speculate, right. and I think he, like I think he adds a lot. We've seen it. You can feel it. I think there's a reason why there's more urgency this year, a better tempo in practice. I think the practice has been a lot better. You can credit a lot to the enemy, right? But we don't know as a play caller what's it going to look like. And and if and if it was if we knew if if it was Kyle Shanahan calling this offense and it was you know uh, Derek Carr. As a, as a quarterback and then the offensive line was what it was. It's like, oh, okay, we have two of three things that we have a pretty good amount of confidence in what they're going to be. I think there is a level, a, a significant level of uncertainty in all three of these components and stacking them on top of each other is like, you know, I just, I don't think a risk manager would, would sign off on this offense. It would be, and that's where I say like, cause even though you hear the stuff about the, I mean, we, we tout it. We're the ones who pre or no, we're, talking about are you, are you saying preach? i was gonna say preach, preach but we're not yeah. preaching but we are talking about it. so but 
you know, it, my point has always been from the start, like you don't know when it's going to mesh. It takes time. And you, you know when it's going to mesh. It's on third and fourth. <laughs> well, that's a different play caller. Um, but but yes, but you don't know how long it's going to take to come together. You don't know, like, is the offensive line better? Well, I think I'm certainly it looks better because you have better guards, I think. And I think you have a you have a healthier center situation and, and I like Gates's demeanor and all that. So you think you get, but how much better? Is it better enough? Is it better enough to help Howells and and all and what the enemy wants to do? That's what I don't know. Is there anybody on offense that you say, okay, I I don't want to say I can't wait to see this guy, but like this guy could be the one I really want to watch. Do you mean in terms of like guys that I think are really good and I want to see them perform or guys that I'm we'll like, go with that. we'll go, we'll go with that one. Cause I, like to me, how could, how could the answers not be Terry and Jahan? Like, well, we already know what Terry can do. Oh, so you're saying the underrated yeah, part. Or yeah. Somebody like, like, you know, like, like Brian Robinson or Jahan Dotson, because those are the two guys, right? Like Robinson to me, you know, he, you, we did. You, you were asking me a question you already knew the answer to. No, but I. But that's my answer. So okay, what's okay. your answer? No, 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 no. Finish your answer. <laughs> no, because with Robinson, we never really saw him last year. I don't think we saw glimpses. We started to see it toward the end, but I don't know. Like, can you really say that was truly him, given what he came through? And Dotson, I just think, man, that kid just gets open. And so I'm really curious to see if he's, you know, the injuries last year hurt him, but that's another guy that you're saying he could take a big step. The touchdown route was so sick. Oh, like, yes. like, I, like I would love to watch that, like see that more, but I think the under, like the underappreciated answer or an answer that people might not expect is I think Cole Turner, particularly because he's going to have to play a bigger role in this offense with the injury of Armani Rogers and, and Logan's obviously battled injuries, but to me, there were a couple actually really nice blocks coming across the formation in the good preseason. Good slice blocks. Good, exactly. So that's not a part of his game, I think, that we appreciate, you know, that, that was really developed coming in. And, you know, as particularly in scramble drills, I think he's had some really nice moments in, in practices and in preseason. The fourth and three was, was a huge one. Um, so I think that, like, I'm excited to see him continue to develop if we're talking about, like, you know, a guy who's going to play a role, not be a, a driver in the sense right. of a, a Jahan or a Brian Robinson. And that's a good answer. And I think because he also like, and first of all, we talked to Logan yesterday and he feels, he said there's no restrictions on him and all that. I would think he's going to play in the opener. We'll just say sure. that now. Well, but, you know, we'll find out more next week. But he said there's no restrictions, feels good. But he gives you something different from Logan too, Cole does. I think Logan gives you that stout presence over the middle, short yardage, you know, red zone, third downs. Cole can run some different routes. I think gives him he's he can become a little bit more like a bigger wide receiver in that regard. That's where it can really kind of pay off. And I think an, another answer that that is maybe like a little bit um, flying to the radar is I think Sadiq Charles, if he can mm-hmm. truly like make the make good on his potential. I mean, the athleticism, which you talked about with the guards, both guards are obviously more athletic now. And I, I just think I've seen some some real nice strength from Sadiq against, against bull rushes. I've seen him get outside. I think that he can be everything they want him to be, you know, talking to Travell Wharton actually um, in June. And he basically, he basically said it's all for Sadiq. It's about staying healthy and it's about staying mentally right because sometimes he can get bored if he's doing the same thing, even if it's working or, or he can lose confidence. And so if Sadiq can stay healthy, if he can stay mentally right, um, I think that they would make a significant upgrade at, at the guard position. And that's a good point. So let's switch to the defense. We're all assuming that the defense is going to be really good. And, you know, what, what is your take on them? Did we see, did you see what you want to see from the defense this summer? Yes. I saw, you know, the, the safety rotations. I saw, you know, them matching up personnel. I think 
Cam Curl can can still be your your X factor against a tight end or a running back. Uh, the line is all together, and even though that hasn't necessarily produced results in the past, um, I, it just I just I I see it too much. I think there's obviously some some big question marks. One two things that I would say is uh, the first one is um, defense is is just inherently less predictable in the NFL because they don't have the ball and and all these things are happening. And, and the second one is they have never started fast. They have always had problems, at least in the first three weeks. And they've had to make a personnel move, whether it's benching William Jackson last year or moving Landon Collins from safety to linebacker the year before, like yeah, yeah or, or downhill attacking player or whatever they called it, whatever. But like they always have problems in, in the early in the year. And so like, until and, and that's something Jack Del Rio has been preaching to the players and every single player who's come to a press conference is that we need to start fast. Yeah. And so it's like until they do it, you can't believe it. But again, it's this is sort of like a Sam Howell. I feel like we're having the same conversation with Sam Howell. Correct. Well, and I will say somebody wrote a really good story about them needing to start fast early this week. Beautiful Pulitzer Prize winning piece I, by myself. I, I, I must have missed that one. <laughs> I think a lot of people may have. Um, but it, but that is like the, but they're starting fast because even like, I think one of the benefits they have is just the fourth year of their system, second year in the zone match. And I think the zone match with some young guys without cam curl in there and with William Jackson in there, who was just lost in that it added up to like, I want to say they had like in the first four games, like 17 pass plays of 20 or more yards. And then in the next 13, they had like I don't want to say 28. So we breaking up. Well, analytics. I like, I like true media too. I just don't wear it on my chest. Um, Literally. Right, right. That's, but so you go from four a game to two a game, that's significant. And so like, I think they feel like that's more of what they can should be. Then it's, and the thing I've been touting too, is the ability to disguise coverages. I think it. I think this is a very smart secondary and you've seen it a lot during the summer. That ability I think can pay off for the front. Then you need chase and Montez to really become the kind of player. You need one of them to become the kind of player that you think they could be to really transform this dude. Absolutely. I, th- I think that is a perfect summation. And then you have to get enough. You have to get enough out of the linebackers, which are right. stitching those two units together. Uh, you know, Cody Barden, we've talked about, um, you know, he, he's, he still is getting up to speed in this defense. Um, I, I think he can do it, but, but obviously, you know, there are certain fits that he needs to get better at. And then Jamin, as, as you are going to talk about earlier in this episode <laughs> obviously has an uncertain future. And and so I think that, um, you know, if, if those three parts can come together, it, I, I will. And I, and I should say that like, I commend Jack Del Rio for going from going to like more traditional spot drop country coverage to the zone match, which has obviously become more popular on the league because that's not something that like, I think a lot of defensive coordinators or a lot of like coaches who have been in the league and has been, in as many positions as him always do you can't rely on that so for him to switch I, I thought was a was a cool bit of evolution for like old dog learns new tricks and because and it is it can be a tough one for players learning like you see benjamin st juice i think feels more comfortable in there that and you could you can see it maybe resulting in more plays for him we talk a lot about Emmanuel Forbes, but i think st juice is a guy who looks really comfortable in that role and it could result in, you know, that, which is what they need. They need to get the big plays. Um, Sam, any final thoughts going, you know, just where we're at in there, anything you, anything stat wise you want to get off your chest? <laughs> um, stat wise. No, I, I think that, you I think that coming up that you want to play. Um, I, I have some projects coming up. I have, I actually, people should look out for, I am writing about whether or not Terry McLaurin is actually still underrated. I feel like underrated is a word that gets tagged to him all the time by 
all the analysts, by us, some of us for sure. And I think that um, in the last year or so with his contract, with the way people view him, the way people rate him, I think that that perception is changing. And so I, sure. I, I wrote 1,500, 2,000 words about it. So hopefully people will check it out. There you go. And where can they find it? They can find it. Wow. God, you know he's a good podcast host. Uh, at Sam, the number four TR, S-A-M, the number four TR on Twitter or in the Washington Post or at WashingtonPost.com. There you go. And the funny thing is with Terry on our list of top 100, he was at 36 this year. And then he also made in our receiver, Jeremy Fowler did a thing looking at the top 10 in each position. He was top 10. Do you, do you know where he was last year? I don't know. He was honorable mention. Okay, there you go. So there that's that's look at that. Look at that. That's now you only have to read 1490 <laughs> words. So there you go. Sam, thanks as always for joining me. Always enjoy having him on because I think he's very smart. Give him a follow, give him a read, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. That's it from this time. Thanks to Sam for joining me. Thank you for listening, and I'll talk to you next time. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Sam for joining me, and thank you as always for tuning in. I'll be back on I think it's Sunday or maybe Monday. Check back Sunday when I'm going to have former Washington tight end Logan Paulson on as we look ahead to the opener. I'll talk to you next time.